1: back to the World Football Programme. Penn, Jim and Robbie in the studio. Good morning Jim.
2: Morning Penn. Morning Robbie. How are you doing? Morning Jim. How are you going? We've got, thanks uh,
1: so much. Robbie Gasper and Jim Webb in their various forms and shapes of football knowledge of bring it to the studio for the next two hours. We're here to lunchtime noon today. Guests from all over Australia joining us on the show today. This is 107.9 FM, the World Football Program. You can catch the podcast on the World Football Program website and you can jump onto the Facebook page and share your news if you like. Guest list this week looks like this. We're having a chat to Perth football podcast, Kalichi Sanwa, City of Fremantle Mayor, Hannah Fitzharding. Former Matildas coach, Tom Somani. He's now the head of women's football at Western Sydney Wanderers, Bo Bush who is the Professional Footballers Australia co-CEO with Kate Gill. We all should know Kate Gill, absolute legend of football here in WA, played with uh, Perth Glory, Lisa DeMarna and even Sam Kerr along the way and the teams were awesome when they were all playing football together. Yeah, very much missed footballer. So lots to talk about. Big thank you to everybody who listens in and thank you very much, of course, to our partners, Futsal WA and their Super Liga Gate and Fence Hardware WA, a league stats.com, care of Pete and Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. So, plenty of football. It's mainly been about Matilda's this week, I think, and probably night series. It's been so much. Banter and information and uh, bleary eyes, like Jim, yeah. who's been doing lots of travelling <laughs> for games from Mandurah. Yeah,
0: yeah, rocked up at twenty to one this morning, I think, after a, a couple of games last night. So uh, I'm surprised you went home. I, I'm, on, I'm on the coffee already, <laughs> and I don't drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I know I you you should have extra large coffee. Extra as well. large coffee. Yeah, I should have really couched, <laughs> Someone slept on someone's couch a bit closer to here, I think.
1: Football family, mate. Use those connections. <laughs> yeah,
0: all yeah, right. Yeah, noted for next yeah, time, Pen. Yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely. Um, plenty to talk about on the show today, of course. We've got um, Matilda's qualifying for the Paris Olympics, which is coming up this year. The um, Junior Matilda's squad was selected and a couple of WA players uh, in the squad. And no doubt we'll have a chat to Tom Simone about why there aren't any Perth players currently mm. in the Matilda squad. Um, yeah, he said, Pen Sam's not in the squad. Who else from West Australia is there? I'm like, hmm, we'll have a talk about mm. that. We'll try and figure out why. Not sure we'll have the answers, but we'll, yeah, we'll have a chat about it. We us. can probably
0: give, uh, give uh, not solutions, but we can give ideas, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, we can. Hmm. Like, There was someone who said, what was the turning point for the Matildas' catalyst to success? What put them on the stage? Oh, I can't think of any, any one no. thing. Personally, I think it's that a lot of things started to tick over. That we won the rights to the Women's World Cup. We landed the Women's World Cup. People came from everywhere. Um, Sam Kerr was doing amazing. Um, we, you know, we got through the quarterfinals, and Dong did an amazing job in um, the social media and um, promoting the Matildas with the Football Australia. Um, there's women in leadership roles with Football Australia, Sarah Walsh, there's um, Sarah Duplessis here. Um, I think a lot of things kind of kicked mm, in.
2: I thought also the improvement of the conditions for the Matildas. You know, like I can probably speak to Bo about that later yep. on. You know, like the you know same sort of pay. You know, like sort of you know like. Imp- Like sort of also the same conditions as the Socceroos when they travel away, you know, the hotels, business class flights, all that sort of stuff helps, you know, to sort of drive the game and improve standards. So um, I think it's a whole lot of those things you said, but also, yeah, like sort of an improvement of, you know, being a lot more professional.
1: I'm pretty sure a lot more money has filled the Football Australia coffers in the last uh, 12 months or so from Matilda's mania. Mm. Selling of merchandise, filling out stadiums. It's awesome. Yeah.
0: It's good. It needs to filter down.
1: Yeah, it does. Well, eventually it'll mm. just saturate at the top, surely, mm. if that's ongoing. I mean, this mm. is always my concern. Will that mania be ongoing so that it must filter down? Once the coffers are full, it, it filters down. right. Once they've got all the, whatever they need at the top sorted, it just comes down mm. naturally. It'd be
0: interesting. I didn't see the viewing figures for the game on Wednesday night on the TV. I think it was number three, I think. It? Yeah, yeah it three, I think yeah.
2: sort of. That was the first game. I think it was the third highest ranking show I think for the week, so, so so
0: so the passion's still there.
2: Oh, definitely, I, yeah, so definitely, yeah, it hasn't dropped. Then, which is yeah, good. Thirteen sort of you know sellouts. It's fantastic. Mm. So, with the with the crowds, and long may it continue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Long may it continue. Um, Jim, do you want to s- tell us the result of the game last night? You went up to watch.
0: So I watched two games last mm-hmm. night. I went to the. Um, the Football West State League Night Series semi-finals. Um, that were played at Sorrento Percy Reserve, which um, for people that know that took me about an hour and 45 minutes to get to because of the Friday long weekend traffic, and uh, yeah, and, and it took me almost as long to get home again. But um, the first game, um, Sorrento played Dunlop United um, in a game that Sorrento. Absolutely battered Joondalup United for about 90 minutes and were two up and cruising. They hit the post. You know, they had so many chances. And then completely out of the blue, Joondalup got one back in, I think, in the 91st minute. And then two minutes later, we almost with the last kick of the game. Scored again, took it to 2-2, went to penalties. Um, oh, Sorrento never missed a penalty. Joondalup, I think, had one saved. So uh, or Sorrento went through 4-2 on penalties. Um, which compounded the fact that the eight thirty game kicked off at eight forty five, which did you know, which helped with the uh, travel home again. I'm
1: glad that entertained you and kept you engaged for that long trip. Yeah, yeah. it to be a dull and boring event.
0: Yes. Yeah. So the second game was um, Dianella White Eagles against Mandra City, Mandra who were the uh, the reigning holders of the uh, Night Series Trophy. But unfortunately for Mandra, Dianella came out on top three 0 and probably des- well didn't know probably did deserve the win. Um, looks quite sharp and quite fit. So that will set up her final game next Friday night at the Sam Kerr Centre, Sorrento versus Dialella, which will be a game of two contrasting styles. Um, Sorrento liked to pass the ball around. Everything went through. Neil Kilkenny in the middle there, and Neil did what Neil does, you know, just sits there, holds it, looks, passes it, lets the play go on, and he's always there. I was watching him carefully, and it's very similar to how he played at the Glory. So, and... Everything went through nil. But the pass movement of Sorrento was very good. Dianella looked very fast. Very, very fast. We we're quite impressed with some of their play as well. So a game of two contrasting styles at the final next week.
1: Um, sounds like someone's uh, done a bucket load of work in the pre-season to get themselves into an awesome condition. Mm. We're going to go to a break and we'll come back and chat more about that with mm. Kal- Kalichi Osunwa from the Perth Football Podcast. This is Penn, Jim and Robbie on the World Football Programme. Stay with us. Hey, hey, it's
3: Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's,
0: women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsal.com. FutsalWA.org.au.
1: Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security we can offer great advice and solutions for your project, trade and layman welcome hardware shipped all over Australia contact the team on 9258 6822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station
4: sponsor Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, Veron.
5: Hi, I'm Peter Skiller. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman
2: and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out a-leaguestats.com,
5: my website, where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008, respectively. You're listening in to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in.
1: Welcome back to the World Football Program, Pen, Jim and Robbie in the studio and our guest online is Perth Football Podcast, Kalitio Sanwa, known to all of us as Kel. How are you going Kel?
5: Doing superb, Penny. How are you Jim? How are you Robbie?
2: <laughs> Good mate, yourself? It's always a pleasure Kel.
1: Jim's going to do a lot of giggling because <laughs> he's trying to keep awake. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, it must,
5: goes, have been, must have been a tough night last night. You drove all the way up there, and it wasn't the best result for
0: you, boys. It was more of a, the late night, Kel getting home. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's a big coffee on his desk, Kel, massive. He <laughs> <laughs> was just telling us about um, the game being, besides a result, being everything you can imagine. I mean, that's what you want. You want entertaining football. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. there a good crowd support? Yeah, it
0: was a good crowd last night. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, nice. uh, yeah. It's always hard to tell how many when it's when it's in a venue like that. But yeah. I... I'd I'd go five six hundred probably plus there as well. The bar was doing a good trade as well. So uh, all all, or like the main stand there at Sorrento was four, and the grass bank and the other other half was uh, was quite busy as well. So yeah, and behind the goal, so three sides were quite busy. I'm surprised
5: you didn't get. I'm surprised you didn't get a coffee up there. They have one of the best coffees out in um in the in the leagues Sorrento.
0: I'll, I'll make a note for, uh, for the league game up there <laughs> the that we go to.
1: <laughs> I, I'd make a comment too about the night series games at Doreen Gardens for the women. Good crowds there too. Yeah, yep. so pretty well supported. And some of the, I'm not sure about the other grounds because uh, Grindaford is also hosting, and down in Baldivis they're hosting. Yeah,
0: Mandra uh, hosted. Mandra, I know last week Mandra for their two games they had a crowd of around 400 turn up for the women's games nice. as well. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah,
1: Mel's been doing a bit of. Mel's been
0: doing a part. massive yeah. amount of PR down there. Yeah, it's yeah. great.
1: She gets out and about. She's a bit effervescent, that lady. <laughs> that's what we want, right? We yeah. want to get out and about and uh, promote it in the community and get people down to the yeah. clubs supporting the club. Yeah, this is what it, we were just talking earlier, Kel, about um, Matilda's mania and how it just keeps on going and it must be filling all the coffers, but we're waiting for the money to filter down to, I don't know, where we can nah. see it somehow.
5: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's been a, a couple of announcements about money coming down into grassroots football and I can't wait till we all see it, yes. um, but I know, that, I know that speaking to some people, there's been a huge push towards getting more women into football and we can see at, um, at Kingsley, for example, they've had just... The biggest retention of women, I think they they ended up having to turn them away because they didn't have the facilities, which is a good and a bad thing. But obviously, you can imagine if they end up do getting that money that comes into grassroots facilities, they can put that into changing rooms um, and into other facilities. That would be superb. So we don't have to turn down women away from playing football.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, there's been lots of promises from the government through the last 12 months with the Women's World Cup landing here in Australia that there's going to be money put into this and that and whatever, but let's face it, if they put the money into the facilities, it's going to take a little while before they actually put yeah. you know, a shovel into the dirt and do anything about yeah. it. And the building industry, the construction industry at the moment is... is
2: Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then we might have these facilities, have all these players, but then also the volunteers you need, like the coaches. That's something like mm. we're finding very yeah. difficult at Western Knights, just finding coaches to be able to coach teams. Because
1: yeah, people are working their ass are trying to pay their mortgage, Robbie. That's right, yeah. that's
2: right. You know, so.
0: like Just like I say, Dan at Manduraleau, we're actually in a position where I think every team has got to coach by one team. Huh? So nice. and, oh, that's awesome. and and if you get act- send them up. Uh, no, now. yeah. Well, if we can find oh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we will start asking for
2: transfer, fees. <laughs> and
5: and you know, you hit the nail on the head there. But I was speaking to a couple of officials, and they were saying that their biggest fear is that you do have this huge inswell and groundswell of people joining in, but now they're training where there's no lights, they're training where they've Ooh. got poor facilities, and it's okay. Well, you've got them in the first season, but they absolutely won't be coming back the next year. So. Mm-hmm. You're right about that, Penny. If we can get that money and get those infrastructure things built ASAP, mm. then hopefully we can keep that retention high. But well, all in all, it's good to see people getting involved in the football as well.
1: It is, but the other the other flip of the coin there is if people come and they love where they've landed, would they help build? Mm. Will they help build the city that they've come to be a part of? This And how, yeah. do, they, how do clubs change what they're doing to enable that to happen? Is it giving back more to the volunteers, more volunteer nights, or less fees, uh, like the Balga model uh, fee, Mm. you know, changing how we're thinking about things so we can catch people in different ways. Now, we used to play in our lifetime on muddy, ducky swamps and, you know, pissing down with rain and that was just the norm right it's changed now rain you
0: lucky thing it was snow when i was playing back right in the uk <laughs> <laughs> what, I'm, what i'm
1: saying is that's that, that's what we love about the sport right yeah. there's all those different things plus there's family and the sport that we love so it's transitioned yeah. into a better place now better facilities but we can start somewhere and it's okay to be in that somewhere. We've just got to keep the people in that somewhere.
2: Well, I think it's just that environment, yeah. having good people around. You know, like everyone you know, just sort of welcoming and having a good time and yep. just sort of, yeah, going there, no pressure to play. Good and just pies enjoy, yeah. and a cup of tea good after rain. Good, good food. Get, you good know, coffee a up place to Sorrento. get a seat yeah. or a or something, yeah. go and get your
1: rain soap clothes <laughs> off <laughs> and, Shane, you know, whatever it is. Yeah,
0: good food, good bar as well for the uh, for the parents sometimes to when they're Absolutely. watching the game. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, we had our girls' open day at Mum FC during the week, which was really well organised. And, I don't know, we had 50 to 70 um, girls come down in the 10 to 16 age group. And I, th- I swear there was just so many parents down there, which I thought was great. Mm. So at Winthrop Park we had all of our um, coaches down there. Vince Matassa was down Fantastic. there. Fantastic. Um, in fact, we've got all-male coaches this year in the junior space. Wow. So last year we had pretty much all girls' coaches. Now this year we've got all male coaches. A bit of a turnaround. Mm. But the support was great. Mm. And we've <coughs> had the facilities upgraded in the last 12 months at Winthrop. Uh, not a club room, but we've got a nice referee's space. We've got one, two, three, four change rooms. We've got a kiosk space now. So, and a I nice sh- veranda.
2: I actually grew up just down the road from there and that's where I learned how to play. Well, sort of, we used to go down for a kick with all my friends out at Winthrop Park, so it brings back a lot of memories when you say that. So, um, yeah, I'll great stand in, facility. I
1: was standing side by side with Vince Matassa. We had uh, 12 girls, age group, and he's like, you know, a foot taller yep. than me. And he says to the girls, what do we have in common? Like, Penny Penny, and I, what do you have in common? I'm like, oh, we both goalkeepers. And he goes, we both started our club career at Melville oh. and we're both at Melville mm. still. That's crazy. it's a long time.
2: Vince, one of my idols, growing up, playing the sort of nineteen ninety three World Youth Cup, which is one of the best youth tournaments I've seen here in here in Australia, was phenomenal. He he went
1: away with the Australian Universities team too. I I I went away in ninety three. I think he might have gone away in ninety four. Okay, with some pretty amazing players of that era. We uh, Canada we went to North America. I am not quite sure where he went to, but don't know they have like a university games anymore. World University Games. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the night series. <laughs> shall We, we got to <laughs> a bit. So uh, at the moment, we've got uh, all the night series are underway. Everyone's kicked off um, getting into semi-finals and final yep. stage for mm-hmm. some. Um, second round and third round for women's state for league. Second round,
0: yeah, and yeah, it was this weekend.
1: <clears throat> uh, a few forfeits here and there happening too. Yes. Badivers have struggled, so they've uh, withdrawn from the women's state S- league. Night
0: series completely. Yeah. Yep.
1: And um, Gosnells. Pool. Yeah,
0: Gosnells. Okay. Gosnells. Last night, um, were meant to play at six thirty against the uh, NTC, and they withdrew at two fifteen in the afternoon.
1: And that was the venue at Mandurah. At, and
0: they was meant to be playing at Mandurah, and yeah, which was a little bit disappointing. And, and you know, you don't know why the circumstances, but to give four hours notice that you're not going to turn up is uh, can I say a little bit poor? You know, would you would you have known at training yeah. the night before that you're yeah. not gonna you're struggling and was it a case of they're all trying to do massive phone arounds Friday morning to get the numbers or mm. long weekend pinks in town? I don't know, you know, I'm just now <laughs> venting. <laughs> <laughs> Theorizing.
1: Yeah, there's been um some interesting results through the women's night series across the, the State League results. So interesting teams that are in there too. So East Perth, I uh, noted, are in the stepped into the men's competition, they've stepped into the women's competition as well. it's mm. pretty cool. Yeah,
5: they've been growing from strength to strength what they've been doing at East Perth and I think they've got a new home ground as well so wishing them all the best as they as they try to do this. Like you said, it takes a lot of people to get involved and help out and right now they've got a lot of good people helping out and hopefully they all stay a part of the club and do the same thing like you did where it's play at the club 20 years ago and then be still part of the infrastructure as you move through.
1: Yes. Where do East Perth play
5: then, Kel? What's the home ground? Oh, they. they they they've literally just changed it. They were playing. They? It's, it's actually. It's, it's up it's north. It's around Morangaroo, Mar- mm. but it's really frustrating because between you could you could literally throw a stone between them or Olympic Kingsway, and Balga. And it's it's, it's just going to be tough to get resources between all four of those
1: clubs. Well, however, they've found a place to be and if the numbers are being capped in some clubs, then more clubs is better in this instance. So if yeah, we can spread sure. the love around a little bit. I mean, it would be awful, wouldn't it, if we got to a stage where we didn't have the facilities and there was people wanting, knocking on the door, demanding to play, mm. but we didn't have a space for them. Because this is the place we all want to be, right? We want people to come to our sport. We want them to be out there enjoying themselves, and you know, reducing the burden on the Medicare system and the health system. We want yeah. kids who are in their rooms and don't have backyards anymore out playing somewhere in mm. a safe space. I think
0: Carl agreed that East the East Perth story, Kel, You know, they've come up through their amateur ranks, wouldn't they? And they're a relatively new team. It's quite amazing how far they've come in such a short period of time. Yeah,
5: it's been it's been basically eleven years, and yeah. they've gone from. Playing casual football yeah. in the hub league that we created a while ago, to now playing state football and um, yeah, the, the new stadium is, is Hudson Park in Girouin. Um But yeah, it's been a it's 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 something that just shows you how much how much you can go and get past by having the right people around you and just having that drive and determination. It's not it's really not easy, and I'm sure you guys you all know how difficult it is to help keep a club running and keep things going at a a football club. And to see that growth in 10 years is incredible. They've now got 18s. You never would have thought Mm. about that um, five years ago, let alone two years ago.
1: Yeah. Um, The state State football centre is getting used for um, Mm. increasing amounts of finals and programs and things like that. And I noticed too that the Football Futures Foundation has landed at uh, Gibney Reserve. Um, They were negotiating through making that their, their home facility. So that's happening, which is great. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Grass space there is awesome. So they've got plenty to, to grow there. Um, I'm glad that we're putting inclusive football on um, increasing you know, exposure platform and social media and stuff like that. And um, uh, Mick's doing a great job there and Abid's doing a great job at Football West mm-hmm. and getting out and about and talking to everyone. So night series competitions. Kel, um, we're coming up to semifinals. Um, yep. Tell us uh, some of the results and who we should be looking out for.
5: So looking at, the, well, obviously the semi-final is this week and we've got games today. Um, we've got Red Star and Sterling at 5pm at the Sandcourt Football Centre and then we've also got Bayswater versus Olympic Kings where right now Managed to be able to say that I've seen all four of these teams play in the preseason, and I don't know if that's a good thing or just an <laughs> indicator of how sad my life is. At <laughs> the moment.
6: Yeah,
4: it's a good <laughs> um, thing, Kel. It's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're passionate, mate. You're passionate.
5: <laughs> and um, I actually went and saw Western Knights play last week as well, Robbie. We could talk about oh, them. because awesome They look really on, good. you
2: down in Ashfield, mate.
5: Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, so, so thinking about the, the Red Star Stirling game. Went and did some stats trying to do my best Tommy Dolan impression. And um, Sterling match up against Red Star very well. They've lost once against them in the last six games. They've won the other four, the other the other five. Um, and one of them was in the final last year, of course, at the Santa Football Centre. But this time, Red Star have got an MPL play. They've got a, a, a former. Glory player, Joel who' who's joined in. They've also got another ex-Perth Glory player in Vice Bafford, um, who's joined in the ranks as well. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how it plays. They The, the two teams vary much from like a stylistic perspective. They, they counteract what the other team does really, really well. Red Star, of course, like to take the ball and have really nice, intricate phases of play, whereas Sterling likes to sit back and kind of hit you on the counterpunch and just beat you down in midfield. So it'll be interesting. And then the other one, of course, is, again, kind of similar fortunes with Bayswater playing Olympic Kingsway, and Bayswater have had a whole bunch of transfers. They were calling them the Bayswater City, but more like Manchester City, if you understand what I, <laughs> what I mean, There with all the transfers that they've had through. Um, and, you know, rumours are that one of their big players that they signed this year, Big Cam um, is coming back from injury and might make an appearance in the semi-final, but at the same time they've played Olympic Kingsway and they've had some really good signings in terms of Joel Knowles, um, who's former Brisbane Roar, former Perth Glory. He's back in town. um, And they've also got Liam Boland as well. I'm not sure if Liam Boland's going to play, but again, two different styles of play. One's a counter-attacking team who really like to go in the transition. The other is a very ball dominant team. And it all just makes for really good, interesting football. And I I think that three of the three of the four teams are gonna be the teams that challenge for the top four and and the in the, in the title this year. So it's great to see that they've made their way to the night series, um, finals and the my favourite thing about this, I'll be sure you'll be able to understand both Jim or all three of you really is how all the coaches are like, Look, it's just preseason, it's just preseason, it's just preseason. Right, and win now it's the final.
6: <laughs> <laughs> now it's now want to win it. <laughs> hell,
1: hell yes. And as Kel said, the state football centre, that's tonight. Five o'clock and seven o'clock. And I think it's ticketed, isn't it? You have to pay yeah. to get in. It is. I'm yeah. just
5: dollars and $10 for concessions as I, well. I'm just
0: trying to work out why the MPL semi finals are held at neutral venues, yet the State League semi finals were held at Sorrento and not at the Sam Kerr Centre. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: you're talking
2: to the wrong person. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I speak to Jamie that. about that. But yeah, you go, well, I saw
0: him last night. Yep.
1: <laughs> and no streaming yeah. uh, update. Tool, oh, yeah. so streaming should happen tonight. Yeah, I sat back last night long okay, ago. I don't
0: think the there is streaming tonight. I think it's only the final to stream. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, I think it's only the final. It's only the final. Yeah, because none of the, last night's games weren't streamed either. So. Yeah,
1: okay, damn. Mm. So not this week, week after. Mm. There you go. Full on football. And uh, Kel, have you managed to catch any of the women's NPL night series games?
5: No, but I'm looking forward to being there tomorrow. It's been really interesting seeing um, the team sheets and looking at what teams look like. I mean, I have went in and saw the Murdoch side look almost nothing alike what they looked like last year. And then the Balcatta side's now got Abby Meekins, um, Monique Goddard's there, Kat Yukich is there, and I'm going, sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) What's what's going on here? And then Sam Madders is now at Perth SC. It, It looks like they've all just kind of put all the names in the hat, shaking it all about and decided to pick out the names and, and had a di- different bit of a draft system that's going on. So yep. it's really curious to see what, what it all looks like. But I can't I can't wait because I, I do think that this season as well is going to be really competitive. And I think you saw that right away when you looked at the Hyundai NTC result with Perth Red Star. I initially thought maybe Red Star didn't play their full strength squad, but nope, they played their full
4: strength squad.
1: Yep, Yeah, that was a one-all result. I watched... Uh Perth Soccer Club play at Dorian Gardens last week. Man, they were switched on. Oh, they've got to be like in the top two this year. Yeah, I mean yeah. They're, they're looking really ready for the season already. They're fit and strong and fast, and yeah, they've got some great catches. And Gabby Del Bosco has left uh, Balcatta and gone to Perth Red Star.
5: Yes, Del Bosco has gone to Perth Red Star. So has um, Lohan Conte de Bali as well. But I mean, Baxter Tunes also left. Um, Perth, sorry, uh, Balcatta. And you look at that. You look at that Perth side. You've got Baxter, Carly Wainwright, um, Sam Mathers, and you're thinking, "Oh, wow, that's that's a really strong, really strong side as well." So, and they, they they played that with with Ella Lincoln on the bench. So I'm I'm really really interested to see what that looks like. And of course, the the derby becomes a little bit more spicy between them and between um, Balcara as well. Of course, with all the inter, inter, interchanging of players and coaches.
1: Yep, uh, UWA have yet to get some results on the board because they're new into the NPL this year and I actually don't know where Curtin have fallen because they've been relegated out of the NPLW but I don't know if they fell into the State League. Kel, do you know?
5: Oh, I... I... No disrespect, but I haven't thought about Curtin's women team in a long time, so let's let's go have a look I, and I'll, I'll, I'll see can't, if I can investigate I so the next s- time that I'm back.
0: I can't see them in any, uh women's night series
1: They didn't games. end up in the night series, but I just wonder if they're going end are. up in the state league yeah. for the season, mm. which would be the obvious place for them to move down to if they'd been relegated and you'd have moved up. But, uh, yeah. Yeah,
5: but I, I I don't know what's going to happen to them. Of course, last year they did struggle. Um, it was no secret they did struggle. Yep. Diana um, Botha was only the, the real big time player that they had, and now I think she has gone. Oh, I'm not too sure. Where I saw but I saw her name. She's she's no longer there. She might be at Murdoch. Uh, um not sure. But 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 either way, they they had a really hard time stringing players, and the vast majority of their players were amateur level players. Um, who were really doing the club a favour by staying in the NPL so that they didn't get kicked out? So I can imagine that they probably looked around and said it wasn't really fun being in the NPL last year. We don't think it'll be fun being in the State League this year. We just want to play amateurs, and might actually be, you know, happy for those players to actually be able to get a chance and play at their level and get back to
1: enjoying football. Yep. Um, what else across the night, series? Do we need to catch up with guys?
0: Goals, goals, goals. it has been so many goals.
1: Yeah, that's what we love.
0: You know, and even the games, I just think this season we're just going to see lots of 5-3s, 4-2s, 4-3 type games because I don't think the defences, what I've seen, have been as good as what they've been in the past, but the attack, I think a lot of teams have strengthened their striking lineup, but mm. maybe forgotten the defence. Certainly the State League, Kel, I don't know, you've obviously seen the NPL, but I, what I've seen at State League, I've got a feeling that there's going to be plenty of goals around this season. But I think that's great, you know, <laughs> more, more people coming to the <laughs> yeah. games, obviously seeing goals, yeah. and um, just
2: really exciting as well. And my question to you, Kel, is um, you've seen all four teams for the night series semifinals oh, that are playing in the semi-final. Who do you think is going to win and play in the final and go on and win the <laughs> final, mate? <laughs>
5: Oh mate, um, <laughs> sorry to put. Let me let me let me bring a bunch of caveats here. <laughs> I think I think, sprint, I think Olympic. <laughs> I think Olympic Kingsway are the best footballing side. I then think that Red Star are the next best footballing side because they can play on the counter and they can attack very very well. I think Sterling are just the hardest team to play against, and so in in, in knockout competitions, I would pick them. So, I think Sterling are going to win all of this because they're just hard to play against in knockout competitions. But when we go into the league season, I don't think <laughs> Sterling will be able to have enough to win it all. So, this is me trying my best to please everybody and
4: say something nice.
0: <laughs> so, Cal never mentioned Kingsway, so let's lump all our money on Kingsway. To win it. <laughs>
4: so, whoever I picked, you know
5: that they're not going to win. Just so you know, whoever I picked is not going to win.
1: So, what's different this year about. The football than last year has more players been pulled in from lower leagues coaching changes have oh. different strategies or we've brought players in from other states what's what's changed I can, goal scoring well
5: we've i think i think from a from a just a general perspective i think a lot of coaches tend to work on the attack first um especially in pre-season you're just trying to make sure that you've got patterns of play and understand how to score goals and, and what makes your side very well um, and so I think that's the first thing that coaches kind of go into and then they can figure out the defence later. And so you are see a lot of teams press very, very high. But I also do think that the quality of the league at the very top end has increased. Um, Royston Griffiths has just been signed. A glory, a former glory captain, a league-winning captain, an A-league-winning captain has now joined our league um, to go along with a couple other former um, professional footballers who have joined in. We've signed some players who've come in from over East as well. Teams have made it their imperative to win the league, and you're seeing that. You're seeing imports come in even at Armadale. They've brought in two um, two foreign goal scorers, one from Canada, um, one from South Sudan, who was playing their trade in Belgium as well. So th- the quality of the league has gone up. I also think that we're seeing a lot of good, talented young players. I mean, when you think about someone like Tyler Gardner, it blew my mind to figure out that he's only 22 um, so you're you'll, you'll seeing a lot of all of these talented players who are now just coming up, and they're a lot younger. I think you've got more coaches who've also got their um, um, A license as well, and I just think the entire quality of the product is is going up. So uh, it's it's been it's been an absolute dream, and even even some of the players in the state league, you were starting to pluck out some of the top players from the state league and bring them up to the MPL, and even the state league sides are able to attract players who could be played in PL but might be on the bench um, and are going to have a huge role to play. So you think of the likes of Hina, for example who could be absolutely playing for Inglewood right now but is playing for Sorrento and, and even at Sorrento they've also got a former Perth Glory player playing for them as well and Mandra have a former Celtic player playing for them so it's, it's just quality all around the league.
1: Kel, my question is what kind of numbers would you need attending matches to support the games to balance the books. I mean, we we're talking about having between four and six hundred watch night series games, but we need like two, three thousand people paying no. ten bucks through the gate. What, what do you
5: reckon? I think I think the economics of it is actually a little bit like wayward in that regard. I, I think having the attendance is great for the atmosphere and great for the communal feel, um, and I'm not saying that you know if you had four hundred people in every week and you you know, ten dollars each and you're making four grand every I'm not saying that, that would that wouldn't hurt, but there's a lot more money in coming from sponsors, there's a lot more coming in from I hate to say this, but there's a lot of gambling that happens on our league yeah. offshore. And if you were to get a percentage of that gambling into our league, it would keep everything running without anything else. So if we are going to just focus on ticket sales, we really are going to need five hundred, six hundred people in to keep the league running, especially if you've got some clubs who are running at a budget of a hundred grand a year. Um, and that's, that's really difficult. That's really difficult to see if you can get a hundred grand from what? 12, 12 games a season. Mm. That's yeah. That's, that's what that's hard. almost. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's almost 1200 people a week.
6: So,
0: yeah. Kel, how do you think the, the uh, Fremantle and Western Knights are going to get on coming up from the state league last year?
5: Oh, I am, I am absolutely buzzing to see them play. I've been really, really impressed um, with Fremantle. They came in, played Sterling, got an absolute hiding and changed their entire approach and said, yep, we are going to be very miserly. We're going to win all our battles. We've got a attack. We've got two good strikers who are going to score goals at any time. And you're going to have to be able to deal with that. I think their hardest challenge, Fremantle, is they've got a very small squad because of the point mm-hmm. system. And so if they, right now they've got eight players missing. If those eight players stay missing for the entire season, it's going to be really difficult for them. But if they can get those players back and if the injury gods are in their favor, they'll be okay. Um, I also think Western Knights are on the other side of that where they, they play some really good football. I came down and I saw them play. Santich looked absolutely quality. They had this little lovely diamond system that they were playing in the midfield, and they really looked good bringing the ball out from the back and get into the other 18-yard box. And they're one of the teams, a bit like Kingsway, where between the 18-yard box of their side and the opposition 18-yard box, they look really, really good. I think where they might struggle is inside the 18-yard box. Can they defend very, very well when they need to? And when they have those chances, can they score? And, of course, they don't have um, Credes anymore in the side, who was a top goal scorer, mm-hmm. but obviously is no longer playing in that side. And I think that's that could be where they struggle. So if they can land in a clinical finisher who's going to... Help them score those goals. Um, then I think they'll be okay because they play they play football very very well. But you could see last week, Armadale had one corner, scored off a corner, had a counter attack scored, and boom, Armadale end up beating them despite the fact that for the large majority of the play, um, Knights really looked dominant. hungry, controlled the ball and they had they, they they I would have said they played the better played the better football, but Armadale was just more clinical.
1: Kel, before we let you go, um, we, we'll mention there's a couple of um, funerals coming up this week uh, for uh, local members of the football community. Um, one is Heinz Gash from Melville, Alamania. He was part of a family that founded Melville, Alamania uh, wow. way back in 70-something. I don't know the year, way, way before I joined the club, but that was my first club. The funeral service is Tuesday, Purslow and Chipper's Chapel at 6 to 8, Robinson Place in Rockingham. And afterwards, the uh, members of the club, the Melville Alemania Club, the reunion uh, squad, so to speak, they'll be putting together a gathering afterwards within walking distance of the Robinson Place Chapel. So... That's Tuesday at noon, Pursler and Chipper's Chapel. That is on the World Football Programme Facebook page. And the other one is John Talbot. And uh, many of you might know him later. as is, is part of standing committees and um, his uh, sense of humour was kind of <laughs> quiet. Fantastic. Always press- <laughs> <laughs> um, just a legend of the Peel area. It did mm. uh, such a lot for that area on the Regional Football Council and the Mandurah. Um, surrounds football, bringing things together, and uh, just being an ever ever present personality. His funeral is Wednesday at 11 o'clock at the Floriete Uniting Church, 50 Berkeley Crescent in Floriete. So that is also on the World Football Program. Yeah, page. that's
0: going to be live streamed as well. That one. yeah okay. so, Yeah, people can't turn up. But yeah, very sad to hear about John, but such a lovely, lovely man, and always, always had a, a wonderful, wonderful dry sense of humour yep, that you would listen to as well. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. In okay. fact, uh, I think Heinz. No, Heinz definitely didn't have a dry sense of humour. It, it was just like right in your face. <laughs> uh, actually, he, he was. <laughs> I was very young when I first met him. He's uh, German and has that very heavy German accent. And he always used to make. He actually used to take the piss out of everything. And um, he used to always smile when he saw me. And I was like, "Am I making him smile? Nope. Is he thinking of a joke?" or <laughs> 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 I it out. Thirteen. And I still haven't worked out yeah. the answer to that. <laughs> But um, the good thing about giving this information out to the community is that the community can then attend the funeral and it brings together people who then connect again as a football family and share their memories about everything. So that's the the positive thing that I like about sharing this information. So hopefully you'll turn up if you have some good things to share Mm -hmm. or you just want to go along and pay your respects.
6: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Kel, thanks so much for joining us. Really do appreciate your time today. Keep up the fantastic work and your effervescent personality. It's awesome.
5: Ma uh, thank you all so much. It's an absolute pleasure. Hopefully we'll see all three of you during this season as well. And yeah, thank you so much for the support. It's
0: always good chatting. You know there's always a welcome down at Mandra for you, Kel.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, actually I'll be I'm I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm actually gonna be covering the state league a lot more this year. And we'll have we'll have the two other guys cover the MPL. So you'll see me a lot more, Jim.
0: Lovely. Look forward to it.
2: Have good a great weekend, Kel. Good on you, Cheers, Kel. Kel.
1: See you later. Take everybody, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye. That was Kalichi Osanwa Kel, uh, one of the men behind the Perth Football Podcast. Um,
0: can, can I just say, I mean, as much as we do a real good job in promoting the game, but those guys as well. Let's get them credit. Especially local football. Yeah. Those guys are He's you know, amazing. I mean, his his yeah, knowledge was, of the local games. All of superb. them. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Where he gets their walking encyclopedias from? You know, sometimes you think you know it, and then they just come up with something. And you go, really?
1: Well, it's all about being in the invested in that part of the game, isn't it? I mean, I have more knowledge about women's football, and I'll attend more women's football matches. Yeah. So if you, you know, ask me things about my club, which is Melville or local women's football, I'm, I'm going to know more stuff than I know about the men's night series. Mm. Um, that's why you're here, and you're here.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I think we <we're> fooled her.
1: Okay. <laughs> Just how it goes, guys. <laughs> um, is there anything else we need to cover uh, uh, across the night series? Or Are you all good? You reckon? Yeah. No,
0: no, I think we're all good. I think we're uh, we've got some entertaining finals next week. Um, so hopefully we'll get there and, and watch some games, which, or watching them on the stream.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> hopefully uh, as many people get down there as possible and yeah. support the local yeah. games. So
1: yeah, and yeah. Uh, get a look at the state football centre, which is um, yeah getting more used or becoming more used Uh, I will mention too that uh, Perry Iolati I'm not quite sure if you pronounce his surname like (laughs) that has uh, moved into the COO role at Football West Mm. and David Lewis has been brought in to the general manager role Mm. so a little bit of a a, a change in structure there Um, and also the 2023 Sports West Awards were held recently and some local people were recognised in football Renee Fussell from Baldivis for her work there this is actually the only female only club here in Perth now after Northern Redbacks uh, merged with June Lup to become Perth mm. Redstyle. Uh, and a bid at Football West was recognised for his work in the volunteer area. And we all know a Abid. I don't need to say his surname when I say a Abid. Everybody knows a bit. A Abid. Yep, <laughs> a Abid from Football bit. West. <laughs> he's, he's the voice, one of the voices at Perth Glory. He gets mm-hmm. out there in the volunteer community. He works for Football West. Uh, he's been part of the World Cup uh, volunteer group there. He's just out and about. And Sam Kerr was recognised for the third time as WA Sports star. Yeah.
0: About time we got Sam on the show. Come on, Sam. Oh, <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> But um,
2: did you see with the uh, A-League's women, um, there'll be all female commentators this weekend, um, which is awesome. Nice. So, um, yeah, I saw that about Grace Gill, the post she put up there and talking <clears throat> about it and her story. So
1: I like to hear stuff like that, mm. keep bringing it on. And I did forget to mention too, and that's a bit remiss of me, but the program before us is Celtic Rambles, Irish show, and Frank and Jerry had been hosting that show for I don't know how many years, as long as I can remember being in this studio, uh, for two hours just before us. And they've done a handover today to um, Heather and the Voices of Ireland. So... um Au revoir to Frank and Jerry. They actually reside in Ireland now, so I was very surprised to see them it was in a bit the of a commute. Exactly. wow! I uh,
0: won't commute. I won't complain about my commute from Androlden.
1: <laughs> They've done a, a great job of um, representing the everything newsworthy and uh, in the Irish community. And Heather is now taking over, so the lovely Heather will be doing the voices of Ireland. Good luck, and Heather. Mm. That will be the program before us for many years to come, I'm sure, guys. We're going to go to a break, and we're going to come back and have a chat to the Mayor of the City of Fremantle. This is Penn and Jim and Robbie on the World Football Programme.
7: Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM
1: You're listening to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny tanner Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program.
8: Oswest Fencing and Time is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install, or automate your gates, offer electronic security, or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Time. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Now I believe he's
7: gonna work me into the ground. I to the left, I to the right.
8: Everybody has goals. Whether it's learning a new skill or passing on knowledge, making new friends, is it finding a career path or reaching your full potential? Chase your goals.
6: See where football can take you.
1: Welcome back to the World Football Programme, 107.9 FM. We're here until 12. Myself, Penny, Jim and Robbie are in the studio and you can catch the show on our podcast either via the Radio Fremantle website or the World Football Programme website, which has been put together by Nick Templeman. Yes, Miranda Templeman's dad. We have lots of connections here. (laughs) (laughs) And we brag about them from time to time. So, our next guest is the Mayor of the City of Fremantle, Hannah Fitzharding. Good morning, Hannah. How are you? Good morning, Penny. Good. Thank Very you good. so much for joining us. We do appreciate your time. Oh, uh, it's always a pleasure to talk about my favourite game. Excellent. Oh. Uh, we love to hear you say that. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, we'll now, get,
0: we'll uh, get her on again.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> hold you to that. Yeah,
1: we'll, we'll just take you back to a, a time when I first met you, which was way back, I think, in around... 2003 or 2004 when yeah, the Western right. Waves were putting a, a party well a group was putting a working party together so that we could get a representative team into a national league and see how that went and there was Jamie Harmore and Jeanette Spencer and yourself and me Lisa Tarner, Nick Tarner there was plenty of recognisable people in football around that table then
3: yeah, there really were. I think my job was to run around um, asking people to please donate some uniforms so we could send a, <laughs> the team off to the eastern states looking presentable. It,
1: um, so how times have changed. It is amazing how much times have changed. And we were just talking earlier about what what was the turning point in... Matilda's mania just kicking into where it is right now and there's not really any one thing but in the last few years there's been a lot of triggers there's been more support that's jumped in there's been um, different facilities we won the World Cup so we landed it here in Perth we've sold out stadiums Um, there's been uh, semi-professional and professional player payments now players are playing all around the world from here in Australia there's so many things that have changed in that Well, 2004 to now 2024, that's 20 years. But in the last five years, Hannah, massive changes.
3: It's gone wild. And I mean, for that period of time, I've been, well, most of it, I've been a soccer mum as well. My daughter now plays for uh, Fremantle City. And so seeing how many um, young women and girls are starting to get into the game, it's actually been hugely rewarding.
1: It is, and let's talk about Fremantle City because uh, you are mayor of the city of Fremantle and there's one professional club in the city of Fremantle and it's a huge club. It plays across various grounds and it must have probably the biggest numbers along with UWA, I reckon, of female participants at the club.
3: Yeah, certainly. They they will tell you that they've got the most women um, and girls (laughs) playing at at the club. (laughs) sha can't get into an argument with UWA, but look, it's been a massive growth phase, uh, and, and like all growth phases, it comes with growing pains, you know, in terms of having sufficient ground for people to play on, finding enough coaches, you know, there, there are challenges in it, but, you know, it's a great problem to have.
1: Yeah, it, it is, and it's okay for people to brag about these things. At the point that they brag, I think they've probably got the formula pretty right and they've got you know the volunteers yeah. and they've got the spaces and the resources and, and everything like that, so I, I feel bragging rights are totally okay. Um, another mm-hmm. thing that we can brag about is the Festival of Girls Soccer, which is coming up in March. Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, so we're going to have more, you know, 500-plus um girls under 17 playing at Fremantle Oval for a day of um, a five-a-side tournament. It started last year and, you know, it was sort of le- in the lead-up to the Matildas and a lot of excitement was building. At that stage, it's, it's gone 80% for this year. So we've ac- And we've actually capped it for sort of 17 and under. So it's something immediately the city got behind because we could see that it would be such a, a great sort of showcase for, for women's sport in our city. And it's at Fremantle Oval. It's... Supported by Fremantle um, City Football Club as well, but we really do want to get people thinking about Fremantle Oval as being that kind of um, key space in the middle of our city where you can have significant sporting events, whether they involve a round ball, a, a, a um, football, a, a square pitch, a, a traditional, you know, we really want to get people seeing that space as being
1: a, a big community asset. Isn't it at Hilton Park because there's not enough space at Fremantle Oval this year?
3: No, we've, we've worked it out for Fremantle Oval, so um, that's a that's a good thing. And I think you know it is. Um, it's about showcasing the city and the connections back to the city as well. So I think last year the Freo markets did a pretty roaring trade on uh,
1: donuts and, and all the other good things you <laughs> can get over there <laughs> between the games. And look, and this is this is great, isn't it? Fremantle Oval is an awesome place for it to be. I didn't actually think that you could fit 500 people <laughs> on that park, but it's great. And it is Perth Glory's office at the moment, isn't
3: it? Yeah, that's right. So they've been based there for a period of time and they came to us in a bit of a situation where they didn't have a place to base themselves and we were really happy to accommodate them. And it's actually given us the chance to upgrade the building where our offices were and we were building the new Wally Lake Civic Centre Um and and put change rooms back in there. So that was the old Dockers building for those who remember back in the day. Um, and so yeah, it's been good, really good, to have Glory there and still a bit of an upgrade. To where, that building.
1: Where does football, soccer sit in the echelon of sports in the Fremantle area?
3: Look, I think with all sports in Freo, we've got like both a fond sort of history and tradition with sport, and you know Freo Oval is often kind of at the heart of that. But We've got a growing population, we've got a growing population of families, so particularly out in Hilton and the field of that area around Hilton Park, a lot of infill development. So you've got a lot of young people coming through those clubs and, you know, unlike the sort of outer suburbs, we don't have any more space. So we get quite constrained on our, our football overs, our soccer pitches. It really does get quite tight. So we've just been doing some work both around doing a bit of a plan for Hilton Park to say, how can we really maximise what we can get out of Hilton Park? But also looking at, at what point are we going to actually need a new public open space, a new oval in Fremantle, and where would we put it? So we're very conscious of the pressure and the growth that that, that's putting on Frio.
1: So what are some of the answers to those questions? (laughs) Yeah, I
3: mean, Hilton Park, there's some basic answers. Those of you who've been there will know very disconnected, very unclear kind of how you get in and out and the clubs kind of sit there on their own without much inspiration with each other. So there's some fairly straightforward answers about how we connect it better. When it comes to growth, that's a really interesting one and we start to look at places like the old Beacus Quarry and say, well, look, you know, we can name a few old rubbish chips around Perth that have become sporting facilities. <laughs> Maybe that has to be one of them because we will get to a point where we really outgrow our current facilities.
1: Yes, well, rubbish tips, uh, I don't know whether there's any in urban areas now, they tend to be kind of called recycle waste yeah, exactly. facilities. Yeah, yeah facilities, that's yeah. it, and you have to sort through everything and, and mm. get weighed and all this kind of stuff. I, I remember when I was young, um, John Creaney Oval in Bull Creek was a uh, waste. Well, it was dump. It's called mm. Dump. Yeah. Um, that's just behind where I live now, and it's an oval. And they have um, the Centenary Park Perfect. is on the edge of it, and they have concerts and all kinds of things there. And yeah. um, Leeming, where it's the, wa- the waste recycling facility, was mm. where you just go and you d- back up your truck and you dump stuff. And now that's it's gone. an amazing recycle facility, and it's there's, it's completely filled around with urban development. Mm. Yeah. So wonder how long that'll be there before, like, you know, people start to yeah. mention that. But you're talking about reclaiming land and there not being much land to reclaim. So what are some of the answers, Hannah?
3: Well, we we genuinely will look at the Beaconfield Quarry. I mean, that was an area that wasn't thankfully used for your sort of all-purpose rubbish ship. It was more of a um, storage area and things, but it's still probably... Not got the surface stability that you would need for housing development. So that is genuinely a future option for us to look at putting sports facilities down there. Um, And then it just comes to management as well. You know, things like lighting is usually important so that we've actually got, you know, um, evening training hours for people, which for, you know, particularly older teams where people have full time work, it's pretty important to be able to be out on our fields later into the evening and with the hot weather as well. Fremantle Park is another option. So, you know, down near the leisure centre, um, there's that's that sort of opposite CDC Fremantle, there's the park there. Certainly we could get better lighting on there and get better utilisation down
2: there as well. Hey this is Robbie Gasper here. Um, I was just going to ask, um, what about sort of artificial surfaces? Have you looked at that? Um, so we can sort of, you know, the sort of if the grounds don't wear out and you can use it sort of 24-7 and 365 days of the year.
3: I think we'd probably lean towards, just because, you know, we do tend to prefer to keep the natural areas fairly yep. natural, we'd lean towards lighting and being able to sort of spread the usage a bit more because, you know, we've uh, travelled all over um, the metro area with my daughter's team and I've got to say some of those artificial ones, very hot, very yes. plastic, you know. <laughs> um, yep. Maybe they're improving, but it, it doesn't feel like a really freeo solution for us.
1: I, I agree with that, and I'll defer back to Murdoch University, Melville being my club, Hannah, is that we've got this yes. amazing facility there at Murdoch University now, but it does get so darn hot. Mm. And if, I would like to see... There's two big pitches there, and they are, they are under light, so we can do the night mm-hmm. series, kind of um, night fixes, training and so forth. But if you think of, say, having... And we've got a big um contingent. Let's say we had 300 roo aged uh, five mm-hmm. to nine, and we put them on that AstroTurf in summer. Mm-hmm. Insane. Um, yes, you'd, have, you'd have to cover it, or you'd have mm. to have some mature trees around it. And when you clear facilities, you don't have mature trees, so yeah. you'd have to then go to the cost of laying down the facility, putting all the uh, resources around it like chain rooms, and then covering it somehow so you can use it twenty four seven. But that's I think, another cost.
0: I think hybrids the answer yeah, isn't hybrid, as hybrid as well, like yeah. like they've got a, a HBF, like yeah. Sam Kerr's got the hybrid as yeah, well, haven't yeah, well, yeah. they? Where it's so a mix. Yeah, so less. someone's asking
3: us an HBF stadium. We're not going to say no. Can't see it happening, but.
2: Yes. Also, from my experiences when I was in Europe, you know, like they used to sort of water the, the artificial yeah. surface before we used to train not, as well. We're
1: not talking about places that have 40 degrees <laughs> continuing yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: understand <laughs> that. You know, I'm just sort of because, you know, pitches do wear it out and I you know the quality yeah. of the surfaces and just sort of, I know they are doing that a lot in the eastern states as well and yep. just trying to yeah. sort of think a bit of a happy medium where you can sort of, mm. you know, use facilities you yeah. know, all, all year round and, yeah, just sort of. I thought that's sort of part of the conversation as well.
1: Hannah, you did mention yeah. about um, merging or or mixed use. Do you mean different sports using the same facility in some way that enables more better better use of that ground?
3: But we're finding that with all all sort of sports funding, particularly now as well, is unless you're really trying to cater for multi use, it's very hard to get funding for a sports facilities. Mm. Um, we know clubs also need to have their identity in their home, so we, you know, we can't push it too far. But certainly, for signature spaces like Fremantle Oval, we need to make sure that's a fairly adaptable space and that we could do everything from, you know, um, AFLW has got the Fremantle um, Dockers women's team that's their home ground. You know, that's a, that's certainly. Um, I guess following the same trajectory as women's soccer where um, it's professionalising over the years, they're adding more and more rounds to their fixtures. So there's quite a high demand from from the AFLW Dockers through to the South Fair Football Club, all of their men's and women's teams, through to then display matches, pre-season games. Um, And then, you know, I'd love to see more soccer display games played there. I'd love to see more concerts, moonlight cinema, all those different things that you can do with a a sort of adaptable facility. At the moment, it's just pretty run down. It's pre heritage, And the women's change rooms are, well, non-existent. They're basically in the men's. um, And this is probably a a problem across the state. They're in the men's Mm -hmm. change rooms with a nice curtain pulled over the urinal, urinal. So it's not great.
1: Yep. What about Warhop? What's happening there? Well,
3: outside my jurisdiction over in East Rio, so I can't oh, speak with too much authority. But I can say, you know, it's the grass is looking better. I think they did a relay over the last season. We were playing; um, my daughter's team was playing down at Bruce Lee Oval, down at the Farmers Market, which had some interesting interactions with dogs and toddlers and all sorts of things. Well Warhop was getting fixed up but the turf certainly looks good. I haven't seen any movement on the chain tube though so I'm not quite sure what's
1: happening there. But um, just refresh my memory. Warhop is used by the female part of Fremantle yes, City. Yes. So it's part correct.
3: Of- so when they merged back in the day with Tricolore I think that was you know they can maintain the ground there for the women.
1: Right. So same club but just across two different cities. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Right. It didn't actually click in my head about that. Now, before we let you go, uh, in regards to a very successful women's World Cup, um, mm. how has that changed the standing of football in the political arena? Like uh, credibility, you know, you steps through the door, um, you know, more votes for this and that, whatever. How has it changed?
3: Look, Kenny, I think you're you know taking us back twenty years. You think, wow, there really has been a significant change here. It, you know, it felt like we were absolutely pushing it uphill when we had the Western Waves and we kind trying to just get them over to the East Coast. For, I think half the season is what they managed. Yep. Um, you know, and it's just politically such different landscape now. I mean, we went out to the opening of the Sam Kerr Football Centre and that was just, you know, it was almost unbelievable to see those facilities and to have them you know, named for someone like Sam. I mean, uh, I think it's just it, it's one of those things where it's just going to take a little bit of time for everyone to catch up with the facility demand and that's where, you know, local governments have to step in and the state government has to keep supporting and the federal government has to keep supporting upgrades to facilities so that women can show up and have absolutely the same expectations as men in terms of fit-for-purpose change rooms, in terms of spectator facilities, in terms of bar and catering and all those things that you, you sort of traditionally see um, there for the men's game but are still sort of
1: emerging, I think, for for the women's time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the journey is still continuing too, which is fantastic. And Mm. what I like about this, I'm calling it Matilda's Mania, is that the ride hasn't Mm -hmm. finished and it's bringing everybody along with it. Like it's, you know, financially and resource-wise, we're looking at different things than we looked at before, where more people are coming on board, families are getting involved. I just love everything about this ride and it's just the whole of soccer thing. Love it.
3: I have to tell you, we, we, we showed a couple of the Matildas games down in, in Wally Lark Court on the in front of the lawn there and I thought, oh, gosh, I hope this isn't just my passion overtaking. What is a good go <laughs> <social laughs> idea? But it was so fun to see the number of families who came down and, you know, the, the little tiny toddlers standing there in front of this big screen looking up at these, you know, people who they, they couldn't have named a year ago. And yes. it, you know, it's Macca and it's Sam and all of Mary Fowler, you know, these these idols uh, up there on the big screen and it was an absolute um,
1: hit. It's interesting what you just said then, you felt a little bit guilty because of how you thought <laughs> oh. but go take it back 10 or 15 yeah. years when i can tell you that on this show the number of texts that i would get from people if i had too much women's soccer content on this show oh. it would oh my god it would get my blood boiling but here i still am <laughs> and i'm talking more about it today so take that
3: <laughs> very great Penny, and you have been an absolute uh, true believer since day one and you know i think all the women out there really appreciate how you've championed
0: the sport never yeah. apologize for your passion
1: no no, no no as long as i've got this seat no you've never apologise in football. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah, thank you so much for joining us. Really do appreciate the chat. See, we feel that time. No problem at all. You're so right. Always a pleasure. Happy to come back anytime. Good on you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers, Hannah. Thanks. That was Hannah Fitzharding, the City uh, of Fremantle Mayor. Um, a soccer on.
0: Can I can I just say one real tiny, tiny bugbear? Uh-oh, what have I
1: done? No, no, not you. Okay, fool.
0: Why is it's it you. called the Festival of Community Soccer when it's football? I thought the idea was we're trying to get away from the soccer d- to be football. I
1: don't know, but possibly because... I, I understand
0: you- why, but... We're trying to promote it as football. Possibly
1: because it's located at the Fremantle Oval.
0: Possibly. Where yeah. there's Perth Glory yeah.
1: and there's AFL there. Yeah, and yeah. Right yeah. The that's what and I was football.
0: thinking. But yeah.
1: mm. I, I should have asked Hannah mm. that because, yeah, I... I okay. oh, yeah, just
0: looked at the, 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 the website that they're using and it's festivalofcommunitysoccer.com.au. Yes,
1: mm. and they've got a really large working group with a lot of significant people mm. like uh, Tony Carvajal, Mel Spillman, uh, Hannah... Yeah, yeah. Um, Peter Rickers, so the people who have gone through the soccer football yeah. transition, mm. so I, I get it. But, they must have had a good reason, Jim.
2: But how good is it going to be down at Fremantle oh. Oval playing football yeah. there? And I don't know. They get to fit all those. I think he goes over people. two. Two. There's a morning session,
0: then there's an afternoon mm. session. I think as well. Or crazy. So it's, yeah. it's completely filled. There's a wait list. Yeah, you can only you know things can only get bigger.
1: They they filled so quick. Yeah, we're going to go to break and come back and chat more football, of course. And yes, hello, Dave Kindness. Thank you for giving us that wave. Appreciate you listening in. (laughs) We'll be back very soon.
5: Radio Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.
8: You think playing like a girl is easy? Let me show you what it takes. Playing like a girl is a hustle. Don't expect to be paid like Messi or Ronaldo. There's money in the women's game, but not much be ready to get an extra job. Or two, playing like a girl means you have to be your biggest fan. Because the cameras won't always be focused on you. And if you wanna catch their eye or even get a sponsor, people will tell you to use your looks. They may even tell you to listen to Seth Blatter and wear tighter shorts to get a bigger audience. Playing like a girl means that when you get to the World Cup, you're armed to the teeth with nothing but resilience. You're not competing on an equal playing field because your field will make you bleed, burn, and bruise even more. And you take it like a girl. Playing like a girl means having thick skin. You'll be told that your game is boring, that you're not as skilled as the guys, and what you achieve won't be cause for celebration. But you have the satisfaction of knowing that a woman has outscored the likes of Neymar, Benzema, Suarez, and Ronaldinho. And when you play like a girl, you never let your guard down. You keep your eyes on the ball. Because though uncertainty rules your world, it doesn't rule you. Yeah, the odds are great, but since when do you back down from a challenge? You are fierce and prepared. You are ready to outrun the naysayers, the haters, and anyone who told you you're weak, because you've got what it takes. Ow. Football is more than just a ball. It's where we find our fate, where we find our voice, and a place to belong. Where we get to express our true selves. Following the footsteps of our heroes, we can go from small to ten feet tall. We can all write out their stories, because this game, the world's biggest game, has space for us all. Find in your place. Join our team. This is the
3: biggest thing to happen when Australia not stop. They've changed this game to ever in this country.
8: Our faces are splattered everywhere.
3: It's
9: lighting a fire inside, of all of us just see the next success. Welcome
8: back to the World
1: Football Programme. Penny, Jim and Robbie in the studio and our guest on the line now is Tom Samani, former Matilda's coach, assistant to the Canadian women's soccer team and head of women's football at Western Sydney Wanderers. Hi Tom. Hello, good afternoon or
4: good morning.
1: Yes, good morning, <laughs> good morning for <laughs> another little while. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, are you still involved with the Canadian soccer team? No. No, I was
4: finishing up after the, the World Cup, and um, but we had an Olympic qualifier just after the World Cup, um, home and away against Jamaica. So I, I went in for that, but, but after that, uh, I, I finished up with them. So, um, okay. yeah, no oh. longer. halfway, not doing those long-haul flights <laughs> for a little while.
1: Gotcha. So coming up to the Olympics, do you have any involvement with any national team? No, not at this
4: stage, thanks. At the moment, I'm quite happily be I'll quite
1: happily be a television spectator. <laughs> 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 I know that you went to the Matildas game the other night, and uh, Pete Pete Skiller, yep. who's our A League stats man here on the show, he also snuck in um, a, a visit there with uh, with a work trip. Um, he was saying the vibe at a Matildas. A uh, match is very different to the vibe at a Socceroos match. Now, you would have been to both, surely, Tom, in your lifetime?
4: Yeah, yeah. Oh, like the the vibe at the Matildas match is amazing. It's just it, there's just all these. Uh, it's it's pretty much a family. It's uh, it's such a family environment. So it's mum and dad um, and two kids, often a boy, often young lads as well. A lot of young lads there. Um, yeah, and, and obviously a, a big female support along for the team, but yeah, very much um, it's a, you know it's not your, your diehard adult male of my age and a bit younger going to the games, and and the atmosphere is just amazing. <laughs> I mean, you, you, it's hard to fathom a game against Uzbekistan. You get fifty four thousand. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, that's just it's. I just can't. It's just so. If somebody told me that 15 years ago, I'd have put my mortgage on it not happening. Um, yeah. It's just, it's amazing. And, and you look around the stadium and there's such an excitement amongst the crowd. Um, and the um, the environment when the Matilda's come out at first, it's just amazing. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely amazing.
1: I think it's more about the, you said family, and it really is. Family, like I've seen some social media shots where there is people with tats of Perth Glory and Wellington Phoenix up the rounds, whatever. And these are these are guys who visit the A League teams and the Socceroos. But I am not quite sure you'd get that kind of um, fandom uh, of females and people going to visit the Matildas and the W League teams. But they give it a few years, and you never know. I think the Matildas have a little tat somewhere. I think that, like some of the Matildas from your era, Tom. I think they had a little <laughs> M- Matilda's thing somewhere.
4: I thought I must have. Uh, that's something I probably would have banned if I had enough power. <laughs> up. Then again, there you go. I can't. I'm not. I don't get tattoos. Sorry, I don't get. I, I'm just turning into a miserable old man. But. Um, I just, <laughs> I just, it just looks pain. And then it looks like something maybe at 30 years' time you look at and you go, what was I thinking? <laughs> You and like there's a lot of older people getting them as well now, isn't it? There's like there's um there's, there's older people going in and getting them. You know, back in my day it used to be guys that were, you know, in the merchant navy and, you know, worked in the docks and yes. you know, were a bit rough and ready. But yeah, it's now trendy.
1: Yeah, nah, nah, I'm I'm with you there. So let's talk, uh, you know, (laughs) A-League and so forth. So um, I I mentioned to you the the other day that uh, Western Sydney Wanderers actually do a a pretty amazing job on their socials of putting some high-level content and um, publicising player movements and uh, recognition and all that kind of stuff. I I did a little bit of a a survey. It kind of got me thinking that um, uh, their content is very good. They've got 122,000 Facebook Likes And, you know, some, somebody said to me that someone can just get their computer and go like, 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 and what does that actually mean? Um, so I, did a, a, I dove in a little bit more in my little survey across the A-League, A-League men and women, and did uh, a survey of attendances, men and women, and Facebook likes. I don't know what that means, but it's interesting that um, West City Wanderers averaged 10,000 people to men's games, two to 4,000 for women's games. Um, and where are they sitting in the table? They're sitting about just in the top half for the men and maybe just a bit below in the women. Um, Melbourne Victory have 260,000 Facebook likes. They average about 12,000 to their games men and two to 4,000 for their women. Adelaide, 10,000 average men, about 3,000 women and 125,000 Facebook likes. Now let's go to Perth Glory, 8,000 average for the men. Um, and one to 2,000 for the women, 85,000 Facebook likes. So it was just very interesting. There wasn't really a correlation to age of the club or, I don't know, whatever. Canberra have 10,000 Facebook likes and they have averaged 2,000. Across the women's crowds, 11,000. Sydney get 11,000 to their games on mm. average and 13,000 for the men. Good. That is a stat I really do yeah, like. Good effort. Yeah.
4: Hey Ed, I don't know where their stats come from, but... <laughs>
1: Well, I looked across a few different sites and, well, have you been to a Sydney game? Are you going to tell me that that is in no case the the, the way it I is? Don't, uh,
4: I don't know. I just It depends what you consider. I, I suppose they may have sold season tickets. I, I don't know. Or, no, this is or attendance. This is
1: That's not okay. memberships. That's okay. attendance. I actually couldn't get yeah. membership numbers. I, I looked in different places and I thought, oh, hmm, I can't get it. But I looked at various sites and it said the average crowd figures. So I just pulled them together and averaged those numbers that I could actually mm. find.
0: Shall I give you a stat that might blow you away? Yeah, go Arsenal on. Arsenal in the Women's Super League. yeah, This season, average attendance 31,428.
1: Yeah. How good is that, right? <laughs> How good is that? Yeah. And and they deserve to be able to attract players from all around the world to play for their club mm-hmm. and pay them money.
0: They, they, they've got to sell out at, sell out at the Emirates well, Stadium they, because they got Tottenham this weekend. They, you know, the best players
4: are all kind of... Um congregating towards yeah. playing in the, the WSL at the moment, so,
6: yeah. it's
4: a league to begin, and and clubs are um, investing, they're investing in their teams, uh, you know, you've got the big four, two Manchester clubs, Arsenal and Chelsea, but, you know, I think you're also seeing clubs like Tottenham and um, Aston Villa, who are investing mm. in quite heavily teams as well.
1: We should recognise uh, Ange Postecoglou, Didn't he just get uh, is it Manager of the yeah. Month for Tottenham? Manager, Manager of the Year. Manager of the Year, yeah. there you go. Manager of the Year. done well. Yeah, very That's
0: nice. That's what happens when he's associated
1: Celtics, eh? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Moving on. <laughs> um, so let's... You've let's, um, turned off all your Ranger support.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's just have a little chat about... Um, Canberra entering the A League or B League or yes. whatever it's going to be in the men's side of things, and they're already being a Canberra United club, mm. and how that's going yes. to work. Do we have any comments on that?
4: I don't. I haven't heard. I'll need to do a wee bit of research. I, I'm assuming that, that I'm assuming that the Canberra United will come across to the men's team because at the moment Canberra United are actually being supported, funded, and run through the association. And I think, um, particularly in the early days of the the um, W League, as it was called then, when, and it should still be called now, but there you go. Um, back in the days of the W League, the um, Canberra, were the, you know, were the they were the top club, they were the best club, they were the first club to pay players. Um, Heather Reid was the president or the CEO, I'm not quite sure which, uh, perhaps both. And she put, a, you know, she's a huge advocate for women's football. And um, they they were the best run club, but now the association doesn't really want to run a club. So I would think that when the men's team come in, that they would they would take over the club.
1: Yeah, I in my head that didn't sit right with me, Tom. Um, it didn't. No, it didn't sit right, and and the reason it didn't sit right is because. When I first heard that Canberra men were going to enter, I thought back to uh Can is Canberra Cos- Cosmos? Uh um, yeah, for two years. Yep, and that was that was before Canberra United commenced, I think. I'm just trying to think yeah. It, it was really m- many what, yeah, many years. Yep. Cos- Cosmos Cosmos
4: uh, went down with the NWSL uh, N S L back in two thousand three ish.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I thought of them, and then they disappeared, and then Canberra United have come in, and they've been very successful in terms of their stability. Um, but I suppose if they're not self funding, they're funded by the association. Then if they're going to be in the A, the men are going to be in the A League. That's going to be part of the APL. So they're going to have to fund themselves. So I guess that in my head, I'm thinking, well, would the women then join? The men to become a franchise in the APL? And would that mean there'd need to be an owner that would need to come in to inject money into both of those bodies to become one body in in the A League? Because I can't imagine that they'll remain as two separate entities. Yeah, I would assume that's what would happen. Uh,
4: I I, I don't know
1: enough about it, but I would assume that's what's going to happen. It's just a thought. Yeah, because um, I, I should think that if Canberra's running quite well, they might be quite uh, protective of what they've got now. And joining, I don't, with I don't the... think so. I, like the 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 blood that I get coming
4: out, and then this is purely hearsay, so I can't, you know, put my hand in my heart and say it's definitive. But the word coming out is that I don't think the federation wants to run the team because it's a real drain on resources. Yeah, um, the federation job is to run the game, not yep. not mm. run a team. So I think and I could be proven very wrong in this, but I think that the Federation would quite happily step away from the team and allow the new Canberra entity, whatever that's going to be called to come in
1: and take over the women's team. Yep. Or or not see I still have a problem with the way that you said that take over. Maybe join the bodies together to be one entity. Well, take over the responsibility of the mm. women's team. Okay. All right. Well, moving on, goalkeeper's jerseys came and went. And oh, I can't believe how fast they sold out, right, for the, the purple <laughs> goalkeeper jerseys for the Matildas. So uh, all I can say to that is, duh, why, why didn't they do that earlier and all the money they could have made? And then, re- you know, honestly, merchandising, it's just 101, isn't
4: it? Yeah. <laughs> it's- it's- from England
0: in the World Cup. I was just about to bring that up, yeah. Sorry, right. So there you go. Maybe they did it deliberately so
4: I've got a bit extra publicity
0: in this all out. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but it happened a year ago, didn't it, With Mary Earps' England goalkeeper shirt sold out, and yep. you know, so you would have thought, why don't people learn? Yes. It's, you know, yep. like, oh, we've sold out, right. let's, let's make some more.
1: Correct. <laughs> That's right. We keep filling out stadiums so there's clearly a demand. Yeah. Or everything, Matildas. And, and the, stadium, the stadiums
4: are a sea of yellow. That's another great thing, Tom. So, mm. Yes. Know, uh,
8: the, uh, the merchandise department
4: must be doing
1: very well, This is a good thing. Yeah, a- absolutely. Or teal or whatever that bluey colour is that they wear these days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very, very female-like. Um, oh. Uh, oh. Tom, you were at the Matildas and Uzbekistan game. Did they actually announce the Uzbek team list? Yes. They did. Somebody said it. It, it was a bit of emotional. It wasn't easy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I bet it was. Tom okay. they had a goal at it, yeah. All yeah, right. Excellent. Good on it, Tom. Tom. Someone said they don't Tom. remember Tom. it being announced. Yeah, it wasn't easy. Okay, excellent awesome. work. So we're off to Paris later in the year. Yeah. There's still two teams to qualify from the African Confederation. I think April is when their matches are. Um, and the junior Matilda squad has just been announced with, um, I think it's just the one player from West Australia, young goalkeeper Jess Skinner from the NTC. Um, And, Tom, you and I have been talking about why there's no females in the senior Matilda squad. I can't answer this with Sam Kerr being out injured. Jim, have you got the answer? No. Okay. (laughs) Robbie, have you got the answer?
2: (laughs) I was was going to actually ask Tom, uh, Does he think of any sort of players from Perth Glory um, that are good right. enough for the Matildas side, and how, to, how will we go at the at the Olympics? Say that again. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, do you think there's any sort of players from Perth Glory that are worthy to be in the Matildas, and how do you think the Matildas will travel at the Olympics?
4: Um, look, the Olympics is a, a, an interesting tournament. You can, you, it's actually a, an easier tournament to win than a World Cup. So I think I think that. They've got a chance. You know, when Canada won in uh, 2020 or 2021, um, I think they only won two games by the odd goal in 90 minutes of football. They won, I think, two or three on penalties and and sort of scraped their way through to the final. I think um, if the Matildas can get the right draw, you can get through to the, the quarterfinals and then potentially the semi-finals. Uh, more comfortably than you can at a, a World Cup, so I think they've, I think they've got a chance. Um, it, it's always a little bit of a challenge for every team when you've only got a squad of eighteen, you know, sixteen and two goalkeepers, and uh, so it's um, going to be interesting. But they, they do, I wouldn't put them down as favourites, but they, they do have a chance.
1: So the teams in the Olympics at this moment are France, US, Brazil, Colombia, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, Japan, Germany. Spain and then there's two African teams which are yet to be yeah. decided so I'm not quite sure which part is the easier part to get through Tom <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> well the games are all kind of fairly even if you if you, um, you know to respect if you draw New Zealand in your group for example they have probably the, the
4: weakest team that's going to it's going to be there um, you never quite know what African teams are going to get there because of how the African system kind of works. Um, so, as I say, you can you can get through to the you know, straight through to the quarterfinals, and then it's a bit of luck. I mean, they almost got there last year at yeah. uh, last Olympics. So, uh, I think they they've, they've definitely got a chance. And as I say, it's games where predominantly there's not much in it between the teams. So. So it's difficult to pick,
1: you know, particular favourites. There's a couple of international breaks between now and the Olympics, and you mentioned then about the squad size. This is something we've got to watch out for because our players do a hell of a lot of miles, and uh, a lot of the players are overseas-based players playing in the European leagues rather than here in Australia in our A-League Women. So they're clocking up flights here, there, and everywhere, and we're We are using a lot of the same players. Um, And I'm just conscious of uh, rest, recuperation and injury on that. What's your comments on that, Tom?
4: Yeah, that's a good point. I think, you know, if I was the coach of the team, I would look at predominantly playing games in Europe, Mm. if I could, between now and the Olympics. Uh, That that takes away a lot of the travel for the majority of, of your players. And it also gets you in an environment where... They're going to have to play a couple of, I think, uh, really good competitive games so that Tony can work out what his squad's going to be because it's going to be some very tight selections. And and I think that would be probably the way to go. I don't think they want to be travelling around the world to Australia. And to be honest, I think they'll find it challenging to get countries to want to come to Australia when the Olympics are in Europe.
1: Well, yeah, and we need to play countries that maybe we haven't yet played and are a little bit higher up in the rankings before we get to the Olympics to test. countries
0: that haven't qualified for the Olympics. England for one, or Great Britain. True. Scotland. Scotland. Uh, There we are, based in Manchester, and you can play England one week, Scotland the next week. (laughs) But the...
4: uh, the, uh, What was I going to say? The other thing, I think... uh, is that there's some players that need to get some game time to actually see, you know, who, what those last three or four spots are going to look like and who's going to get those those spots because, and, and the balance of the team and
1: the balance of the squad sort of within that squad of 16. Yes. So, um, now, before we let you go, uh, just a couple of comments on the... A league tables, A league men and A league women. Uh, Perth Glory have been doing pretty damn well on the men's side of things under Alan Stadgek. Yeah. Um,
2: Six unbeaten.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, phenomenal. Yeah, they've been, been, been well. They were a bit unlucky early in the season Big games they kept, seemed to see him lose them in the last minute or two, and um, he turned them round, made them very competitive. Yeah, we've got a phenomenal goal scoring. Right, at uh, both ends of the park, unfortunately. have <laughs> got to work on goals, that.
2: Goals, goals, goals. <laughs> it's filtered down to the NPL. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And on the A-League W side of things, um, we started off normally. And, mm.
0: uh, Just having a billip.
1: Yeah, it's con- a continuing billip.
0: Yeah, uh, a continuing one at the moment. but
1: <laughs> Yeah, we've got to turn that one around. I mean, the squad's pretty much been the same. Mind you, we've had players pop in and out with... Um, International commitments. So that's been a little bit of a, a change for the Glory Women. Um, and we've had some pretty hardcore 36 degree is, nights to play in. Their in. Nights, yeah. Mind you, so is our opposition. True.
0: <laughs> do, do you think with the Glory Women, it's the squad depth that's now showing that, you know, yeah. it's, it's that's, I think Absolutely. that's the problem? It's, it's the same players are starting to get tired, and there isn't anyone able to really feel that squad, you know, maybe yeah. two. Longer season, more travel yeah. for him as well. So, no, yeah. so I think I like, Yeah,
4: there's they, not. I think if you go down the squad, there's probably not a lot of depth in there. So you're um, having to play the same team, and, and obviously Perth travels a lot more than other teams, and um, and that offers a bit of a challenge as well.
1: Well, but, uh, well, we've got to sort our poop out pretty soon if we want to make the top. <clears throat> Is it top six for the women? Top six, I think. Mm. Yeah, because we're sitting on below 23 points at the moment and, um, yeah, top four is looking pretty tidy. So, yeah. Uh, To be fair, the league is extremely tight and and seems, you know, if somebody just goes on a little run of winning
4: two or three games in a row, you suddenly bump up the league. You lose two or three in a row, you bump down the league. So, um, and I I think, you know, Melbourne City have kind of come back to the park a little bit, because it was good. They've got a pretty full strength team now. And outside of that, I think there's not much
1: in it between the rest of the team. However, winning, drawing and winning helps the cause, Tom. Um, I note that... um, West Sydney Wanderers and Sydney have got a doubleheader this weekend. So 2 o'clock, that's the game that you're obviously heading for. And uh, yep. 4 o'clock, two, is it 2 and 4? That seems pretty tight. No, 4.45. There you go. So okay. are you going to catch both games? Uh, yes,
4: hopefully, yeah. I'll
0: um, catch your game and then catch the men's I'm always interested. The doubleheaders work. Like crowd wise over there. Do they, you know, does it does it attract more people to the first game who will stay to the second game and vice versa? I um I don't know what it does what I've found at the game is that if the women's teams play second, the, the men's crowds don't stay anyway.
4: Mm elite. Um so it's better for the women to play first than a double header because at least by the second half the crowd's the built teams, in, yeah. People, are to come in
1: and will probably come along a bit earlier to watch a bit of the women's game, but they, they don't tend to stay uh, if, it, if the game comes on after the men's game. So your your games have been fixed at two o'clock and four forty-five. Mm. So it's a two and three quarter hour difference. When we've had double headers here, what's the time mm. difference been? I thought it was a lot more than that. Three hours, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, been? yeah, it's a long time to. Yeah, it felt like it was just ridiculous to stay. Mm. Mm. Yeah, all right, uh, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time today, uh, especially you being on the road and all. And um, go Perth Glory when we play you guys next. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tom.
2: Cheers, Tom. Drive safe. All right. okay.
1: Thank you very much. See, See ya. Take care. Bye bye. That's Tom Samani, head of women's football, Western Sydney Wanderers. Always good to gasbag about anything at all any comments on uh, the league or where we're sitting how Perth Glory you're gonna go this weekend
0: yeah Tom mentioned that every team goes through that spell of winning games I think the glory had theirs at the start of the season rather mm-hmm. than at the end of the season didn't they so but how hey, you I'm just looking it's so tight Win today, you think I go fourth
1: so what this weekend who uh, Western United are sitting on top. Um, what's the points that
0: they've so, got? Yeah, in the women, Western United have currently got 35.
1: 35.
0: Melbourne City, 31. Sydney, 27. Melbourne Victory, 26. Fifth of the Mariners, 25. Sixth, Newcastle, 23. Seventh, Western Sydney, 23. Eighth, Perth, 23.
1: So it's like about four games yeah. difference? yeah. So it's possible.
0: If it's
2: top six.
1: But let's face it, those top teams have to drop points (laughs) for us to, yeah. yeah.
0: But it's... um, You just get on a bit of a run and you never know. It's it's eight eight teams battling out the top six.
1: Yep. And um, I'm kind of liking watching Perth men at the moment. I'm loving their style of of football, attacking. Uh, Yet we're not... We're starting to shore up at the back a little bit. (laughs) Um, Because we conceded quite a few goals in the first part of the season. That was Mm. kind of crazy. But we're attacking. I love the all-out attacking.
0: Uh, At the start of the season, I found it quite boring to watch. But, yeah, just recently, it's got more and more... It's it's trying to make people want to go again. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We had 8,000 average
1: uh, last Mm. game, which was great. And um, the new owner threw in the... You know, kids, kids up, up to 16, I think 3, 000, it was. 3,000,
2: yeah. But what I really liked when I was at the game, I saw those young sort of maybe teenagers behind the goal at the shed end and they were all there together. They were singing, you know, all mm-hmm. dressed in black and then they what left together. were they
1: together. singing, Robbie? Oh, but no.
2: I mean, sort of, it's not, we <laughs> love <laughs> Perth glory, we do. <laughs> you know, Everyone like loves it. to be near the
1: shed. Yeah, and then
2: um, that was just, it was fantastic. You made, it made the atmosphere and then you saw them all walk out together after the game up the road yeah, and nice. that mm. was really good. So, um, yeah, it was awesome.
1: Yeah, very good. We'll go to a break and we'll come back and chat more football, of course. Uh, We'll be chatting with Bo Bush, who is uh, the co-CEO of uh, PFA. (laughs) So many acronyms and abbreviations of uh, this and that, whatever. We'll be back soon, talking football. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9.
5: A true glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day.
4: Whether it's chanting, waving a flag, always there, always passionate,
9: jumping up and down, going absolutely animal, and continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe 10 hours on glory uh, during the week when we're
4: making uh, banners and this and that.
6: The,
5: well, the feeling when glory scores is just the most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. So there's a whole brief feeling of silence. It's something everyone just jumps up and down. An eruption of cheering yelling and flag waving.
9: it's just one of those things when the goal hits the back of the net it's an amazing it's an amazing
1: situation gate and fence hardware wa your one stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components wrought iron automation and electronic gate security we can offer great advice and solutions for your project Trade and layman welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. welcome back to the world football program this is penny and jim and robbie in the studio and our guest online is the co-ceo of the pfa or professional footballers association bo bush good afternoon and good morning bo
9: thanks penny appreciate you uh having me on hi robbie and jim hey
2: bo how you all mate yeah thanks yeah really well thanks
1: thanks so much for joining us and um I'm going to give kudos to the fact that you're co-CEO with Kate Gill because I am absolutely a fangirl of Kate Gill, being a West Australian and Perth Glory fan and just love watching her play with the Perth Glory and the Matildas. So the kudos fangirl part done.
9: I am incredibly, uh, I do get reminded every day how uh, incredibly lucky I am to work alongside of her and uh, recently I got to play a -a five-a-side tournament here in in Melbourne with her so I can assure you she's uh, she's still very handy on the football pitch as well as off it as well too. So very little has changed over time, that's for sure.
1: This is where you can step up and brag and give your own footballing, you know, uh, resume to us if we don't know it.
9: No, certainly not at uh, certainly not at the level of, um, of Kate Gill. That uh, that's for sure. That would take take some doing. But I was um, I was fortunate to play for a couple of years in, in the A League for Sydney FC and also for North Queensland Fury when they were in the A League. And then I played over in the UK for a. Um, for a couple of years in the in the lower divisions in, in Scotland, and moved back to Australia to take up the role with the PFA um, just a little over ten years ago now, actually. So yeah, so I've been out of playing for, for sort of ten to twelve years, and, and in this role for a uh, well at the PFA for a significant period of time, and alongside Tate in the co chief executive role for the past uh, four years almost.
1: That's a long time. There's been a lot of changes in that time.
9: Absolutely, yeah. It's a significant, you know, to things. Sort of a couple of years into my time at the PFA, the Matildas were on strike in, in twenty fifteen, trying to find a um trying to really basically be respected to a level that they could at least commit to the sport and, and pay their sort of basic bills at the same time. To fast forward to that during the week. I was fortunate enough to be at their game here in Melbourne and, and to see the scenes around the game. So that's sort of, I guess, sort of the real sort of extreme of the changes that have occurred over that um, period of time. And it's been a hell of a hell of a journey to be working for the players for the past 10 years and a significant honour as well too to, to be able to work on their behalf. And alongside great people, I had the pleasure of working alongside Robbie for a long period of time. So I've been uh, incredibly fortunate during that time.
2: Yeah. Bo, oh, Bo, could you sort of tell us a little bit about the recently sort of negotiated CBA, uh, the national teams that you guys managed to negotiate with the players, you know, with the FA? Because it's, it's all, in my opinion, it's one of the world leading CBAs for all sports. Yeah, we're really
9: proud of, of where we landed. We were fortunate to. Inherent, you know, a significant amount of great work by by previous generations of players, particularly in 2019, when they when they agreed really world football's first ever ge- truly gender equality deal, which saw the soccerers and the Matildas actually equally divide up all of the revenues associated with the national team. And I think if that that CBA was really about sort of building in gender equality, and this CBA was about taking that model and being able to push it towards actually making the players genuine business partners with FA, and that sort of meant some tweaking to the economic model. It means that the players are now more incentivised than ever to drive revenue, which they'll obviously share in through the revenue share agreement, but also importantly that will actually generate more money for the sport, we believe, to invest back in to create the next generation of Matildas and Socceroos, and this CBA as well too had some other significant shifts in, in, in so far as ensuring that the players' voice is actually embedded into the CBA so that they can bring their wonderful experiences from really playing at the highest levels of the sport to make sure we not only perform at a world class level now but we continue to evolve over the next four years of the deal and we see that as really crucial because we know that when our national teams do well at World Cups, it really drives growth for the entire sport as we've just witnessed off the back of what the Socceroos did in Qatar but also obviously of course what the Matildas did here on home soil as well.
1: Bo, that was really interesting what you said about involving the players or making the players business partners it can you just explain that to the layman what that means
9: yeah essentially look not um most football soccer or, or football codes around the world don't have what's called a revenue share agreement so the way that the national team's agreement works really is that we've been able to define what the players contribute to and generate so that's things like broadcast deals sponsorship um, fans in the stadium, those sort of parts. And then what happens is the players actually get a percentage of what they generate. So really, they stand to be sort of in effect in business with the um, with Football Australia, and everything that they generate they actually share in, but also the game actually generates in more. So they're actually incentivised far more than if it was just a straight sort of locked in um, amount that the players earn. We actually see them if they do really well. The game does really well, and they they share in that as well too. But equally, if the game doesn't perform, then equally they're they're sort of in for the downtime as well too. So we think that really changes the relationship between the players and also the governing body as well too. And rather than be this sort of contested space, we've actually aligned both our interests that we believe everybody benefits from that type of model.
1: Are you talking about match outcomes, crowds, social presence, what... um Give me some indicators. Yeah, yeah,
9: yeah, yeah. So TV broadcast. So obviously at the moment, the broadcast agreement is with Channel 10. So the players share in the revenues associated with that broadcast deal that's attributable to both the Socceroos and the Matildas. When fans come into the stadium, so the more that the players push these big sort of crowds coming in, whether via social media, media presence, et cetera, by commercial partners. So we're really fortunate to have some really wonderful commercial partners in Combank, also with Subway, Cooper and others. So, as the players actually bring in these partners or contribute to bringing in these partners alongside FA, the players actually share in
4: that upside as well too.
1: Wow, well that's that's really interesting. <laughs> so ba- basically, they do more work to increase the profile of the national teams. They get a share in that.
6: Correct. Yes. Yeah. Correct. So oh. um, yeah.
1: It yep. ma- makes me think of um, tennis players who, uh, um, like. I think Andre Gassi is one of the ones I can think of, where um, he got mass- massive endorsements and sponsors, and it the it millions and millions and millions, and that kind of you know paid his way and set his life up and, and so forth. And then I think to a team like the Matildas, and I think, well, if one player can bring in sponsorship, they're going to have that. that is going to fall into the business partnership part and they'll get a commission from that, whereas if there's another player that doesn't bring any sponsorship or contribute to the crowds and whatever, they don't get the benefits of that? Is that what you're saying?
9: Yeah, so, so under our model, they all share in it. So let's say, um, let's use a live example of Combank, reach out to Football Australia and say, look, we we really love what the Matildas are all about. We love to sponsor the team. We're willing to sponsor them for to use round numbers and... Certainly this isn't indicative of the actual amounts. but for a million dollars a year we'd like to invest into you to support the Matildas, then the players receive a share of that million dollars in terms of their match fees. So it comes back to them via match fees and commercial payments, but all of the players share in that equally. That's one of the sort of key um, foundational sort of principles that our national team players have had for a long period of time, that all players that are called up in the squad share equally in that prize money or share equally rather in match fees. And also if they do receive prize money related to their performance at a FIFA World Cup, they share that equally as well too. So that's sort of one of the foundational principles. They can at the side of that, players can do their own commercial deals and other players don't share in that. That's just in relation to that. But anything that's, sponsorship related and actually uses the matilda's ip and is invested into football australia then the players share in that so that's sort of what we mean when they're business partners but actually whatever they sort of contribute to generating they get a set percentage of
0: that yeah that's cleared that up because there's the the, the image rights of individuals isn't there and then there's the team so it's the team. yeah that's good
1: so before any monies that would come in would go to the fa Yeah,
0: so before, well,
9: before how it would work was we we did have a revenue share in in 2019. That was the first time. But prior to that, what we had was just a set amount of match fees that the players were paid, rather, and the Matildas received contractual payments. So whether FA's revenues were driven by the players up or whether they came down, the players sort of match payments weren't touched. So what we believe is by shifting to a revenue share agreement, we actually incentivise both parties because we both have the opportunity to grow and to come up and we both have the opportunity if we don't perform well to come back down. So we think it places equal responsibility on both partners for, for the benefit of where if you go in another sort of model and say the players match fees and everything are locked in at a set amount, whilst absolutely they want to grow the sport, their sort of financial interests aren't as aligned as, say, Football Australia's are. So by moving to this model, we think is win-win for, for both parties.
1: Is it similar to the men or same as the men?
9: They get paid the exact same. Right. So, yeah, so match fees for a Matilda and a soccerer are the same. Um, so, yeah, there, there's no difference. Their workplace standards are the exact same in terms of business class lives, the accommodation they need to stay in, the number of um, staff that need to be employed, the high performance staff, everything like that is absolute like for like, yep.
2: But could you also tell us a bit about that human rights policy you guys are developing and also that community development policy as well that you've sort of negotiated into the CBA?
9: Yeah, of course, Robbie. So one, one of the key parts... Of this collective bargaining agreement is there's an obligation obligation on Football Australia to develop their own human rights policy, and we think that's really important. You know, you look at other sports at the moment and and their ability to be able to nav- navigate what can be an increasingly complex space. From ball's challenges recently in relation to investment from a mining company and some of the challenges for First Nations players to what we've seen. In, with systemic racism and AFL's response to what Adam Goods went through. And we really believe what's most critical about Football Australia undertaking this work as part of the CBA is the core part of it that really focuses on due diligence. But that means the sport actually needs to get its head up and look ahead and actually start to plan for what is our impact on people? How does the operation of the sport actually positively and negatively impact people? How would we work through sponsorship agreements that have associations with significant carbon emissions or potential human rights abuses? What's the sport's role in that? So it really, from our point of view, gives the sport a foundation to navigate what's an increasingly complex world and to be able to make sure sport is really a genuine force for good. So that's one of the parts that we're really excited about. Another part that we've been able to build out in this CBA is through the player payments. The players are significantly contributing back to the PFA Trust, which is a foundation that we've set up. And over the last sort of three to four years, the Socceroos in particular have contributed about 150 dollars to $200,000 to this. And we've been able to take that investment and invest into football-related charities. So things such as blind football, to here in, here in uh, Victoria Football Empowerment, which is an African refugees football program, to John Moriarty Football and others. And that's been something the players have been really supportive of. And even most recently of being able to contribute to the humanitarian effort in Gaza at the moment ahead of playing Palestine in World Cup qualifiers. So that was something that was really important as part of the CBA. The players wanted to build their autonomy so they could invest more Things that they cared deeply about, um, because we wanted to really sort of shift it to having a significant impact, not not only on the pitch but off it as well.
1: That's that's awesome. <laughs> that's it's incredible. So yeah, I'm just blabbergassing mm-hmm. listening to all of that. That they all, you know, we just go watch a match and all the other stuff happens. Yeah. This,
2: this is all the great work yeah. the PFA does. Yeah. that yeah, we sort of need to spread awesome. the word and just it's okay. such cool. an awesome, awesome organization run by Bo and Kate. And such a great team there, and yep. the work they do is just. Yeah, it's world class.
1: And so leading on from that then, you mentioned about um, the the Palestine situation and and Lebanon are playing 26th of March now here in Australia because of that situation. So that's now going to be their home fixture. So it'll be soccer rooms playing uh, at home, but that won't be their home fixture. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, just keep an eye out for that one, everybody. Um, I think there's still tickets available for that one, 26th of March through Ticketek. I think they go on sale on the 5th uh there's another match which is our home match with soccer versus lebanon uh, lebanon sorry on thursday the 21st of march at parramatta 8pm um don't know if there's tickets available for that one still or not either you have to check with ticket um if it was matilda's i would categorically say it's sold out <laughs> 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 indeed i mean there's uh, 12 there's
9: 12 straight sellouts now so we're really hopeful that yeah the soccer is for that that match in Sydney, there's a really significant um, uh, diaspora of of Lebanese there in in Sydney, particularly particularly in the West. So I think it should be a really wonderful atmosphere at at that match. And it's one that certainly I know the players are incredibly excited about that one. And then to be able to, it's very rare, I can't think of any time that the players have actually had two World Cup qualifiers in a row here on on home soil. Um, So to be able to back up again on the Tuesday night against against Lebanon again in Canberra is something they're incredibly uh excited about but all Also, the sort of caveat to that is knowing that for these Lebanese players, how difficult the situation is at home and that circumstances have actually forced them to to do this. So incredibly challenging for for the Lebanese players and for for all players in the region at the moment as well, to an all people rather in the region. But um, yeah, we're incredibly excited to have the Socceroos back for, for about 10 days, which will be really wonderful for the Australian football public to see them in the flesh twice.
2: But you're talking about sort of that's a, like talking about asian football um you're sort of the pfa part of fief pro which is a world players organization and um also you know part of fief pro asia and you just recently re- released a, a champions league sort of report analysis um could you tell us a little bit about that and sort of how you sort of the the sort of report that you released because i thought it was phenomenal the work you guys done yeah
9: yeah of course thanks robbie um look what we're a member of FIPRO Asia, um, which is the um, division of FIPRO Global, which is the Global Players Association. And, and FIPRO Asia is made up, Asia-Oceania is made up of a range of unions across across Asia and, and New Zealand in Oceania. And a number of the unions were actually massively really sort of set up by, by Robbie as well too. So big big kudos to Robbie for the amount of work that went in in, in doing that in, in what's often really difficult circumstances in setting up a union there. But to sort of, To move on to the report what we're able to do was we we looked into the asian champions league which for those that are unsure of what that is it's it's the equivalent of the uefa champions league here here in asia so it's really our premier club competition but one of the big challenges of the competition that we've continued to see is that it places a significant economic strain on clubs in that there's very little financial support for them contribute to to actually um, play in the tournament but there's significant costs therefore that flows through to players And what we've seen is a competition that really should be the pinnacle of a player's career has actually significantly placed a a really sort of unsustainable burden on them and also on their employer in their club as well too. So after a number of years of really discussing this, of sort of thinking through, look, this really shouldn't be working in this way. We're committed to trying to to find a way to make this work, but it's just not really at that level. Then a couple of years ago... We were sort of made aware that AFC planned to reform the competition, but disappointingly, they had no intent to engage with players, and there was no opportunity for players to actually contribute their voice to those reforms, despite the fact that they have a significant amount of experience, and also the tournament is largely dependent upon them to be successful, and also their clubs. So we sort of took the, um, took, the step, took steps really to go down the path of actually saying, well, let's go and do a significant piece of work ourselves and actually look into how the tournament's performing, the strains it's putting on clubs, on players, how it compares in terms of prize money to other intercontinental competitions around. And what we found really was that the tournament is just placing this significant burden on clubs and players that's really unsustainable. So what we found secondary to that is the proposed reforms that come into effect from next season actually don't go far enough and really these significant problems aren't really going to be resolved to a level that the competition can really achieve what we think it needs to to continue so from our point of view it's represented hopefully the starter we can actually sit down with the AFC now and actually embed players voice into the development of Asian football that's really our hope Um, so that's that's the focus over the next couple of months of using the findings of the report to make sure the game's actually informed and that we can start to influence some of the decisions made by the AFC and build a more effective relationship with them as well too from what we believe is the benefit of, of football all across the region.
1: I feel that we've just had a Zoom meeting, and um, I've just been injected with so much information. I have learned
0: so much in the <laughs> last 20 minutes. <laughs>
1: we've got to get you back. I've got a list of questions here. We're no way you're going to work
0: through. <laughs> we haven't even touched on his old both career. I <laughs>
9: hope <laughs> well, I just haven't put you to sleep. That's probably the main part. we have all just
1: saying one word would do. You know, both uh, Jim and I sat back, and we were listening, and we were clearly just considering what you were Saying and uh, Robbie was doing all the prompting, so he, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, well done,
0: Robbie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it, it, it's good. Look, um, I, I have so many more questions, but we just won't get to them. Um, love to have you back on the show again, and uh, you just uh, you do bow again, and um, we, we'll be great if that's okay with you. Yeah,
9: of course. Happy to happy to come on any time. Maybe, um, maybe when you the soccerers really play
0: in Perth next, bow can come in. Yeah, oh, oh,
1: yeah.
9: absolutely. Absolutely. When's that, when's when's that th- then, Bo? Yeah, that? I don't know. I don't know. We can certainly, we'll start, the, uh, we'll start the campaign when they're in town to get over to Perth. So, yeah. It's uh, certainly a place they enjoy playing, that's for sure.
1: Yes, and we re- enjoy receiving them here too. Uh, Bo, thanks so much for joining us. It's been absolutely fantastic and informative. So do come again and uh, enjoy the rest of your no weekend, worries. whatever it brings.
9: You too. Thanks so much, guys. Keep up the good work. Cheers, 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 guys. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Bye. bye.
1: Bush yeah wow that was uh, I'm
0: gonna to have to listen to the podcast to, to take that all in again yeah, no, because right. I could have just thanks Robbie because no, I was just did it, yeah I really like
1: and I didn't know that the match fees are exactly the same between the men and the women did not know that that's great and this um, revenue share agreement. Groundbreaking stuff, really good, and
2: also just over the sort of the high performance stuff as well. Having the same amount of employees, you know, sort of mm. looking after the materials as yep. they do with the Socceroos, yeah, same standards when you travel business class, yep. you know, like four star hotels, yeah. four star hotels or whatever, you know, like sort of, it's all got to be the same.
1: It, it's good to know that that's happening, that yeah, someone's definitely. looking after it, and I really love the way that the players are investing back yep. into grassroots football by putting their own money from what they're earning back in through mm. this association. Wonderful. Right, wow. did you want to surprise me
0: or something? Right, so yes, yeah, so um, oh. yeah. So a little surprise for Penny okay. here. So uh, I- I'm going to completely blame Hugh Best uh, for this. Okay. Uh, so uh, Hugh and myself listened to a, a, a podcast that covers football from the lesser nations, shall we say. And we spoke about things like the Greenland Football League before on this show. We've touched on it and how San Marino are the worst team in the world and things like that. Well, <laughs> at the beginning, uh, it was probably midway through last year, Um, the Federation States of Micronesia, which I think we have sort of mentioned in the past, they're desperately trying to raise funds to uh, play games. Mm -hmm. And their 11-a-side is pretty impossible for them, but they're looking at getting a -a 5-a-side team to play competitions internationally. Now, Micronesia is probably not the biggest... set of nations in the world that have got finances to do this so there's been a fundraising thing going on Mm -hmm. and one of the fundraising things there are is selling their national shirts and so they went on sale late last year, beginning of this year and Hugh thought it would be a good idea to present Penny (laughs) with the Federation States of Micronesia goalkeeper shirt (laughs) to wear so I'm just going to hand over Penny Look at that, that beauty. Well?
6: <laughs>
3: so
0: I'm we'll sure go, when cool we do the, the photograph at the end, Penny will hold it up. But it's a nice. bright orange. It actually acts as their third kit, but that's their goalkeeper shirt. So Penny, we, we oh, expect love we that. expect we expect you to wear that at your next walking football tournament that you do or we'll see you around. But um is Enjoy it a real, is it a real thing. It's a real thing and okay. it's what the Federation States of Micronesia will be wearing. They, their first shirt is a, a white with some light blue. And their second shirt is a dark blue shirt, and that's their third shirt, which also acts as their goalkeeper shirt. So Penny, enjoy, and oh, I think it Hugh cares. said Merry Christmas and uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Good one. How good are the colours and the sort of and the patterns? And uh, what we'll do is on our Facebook pages, I'll share the post to show the other two kits. But uh, Hugh has got the home shirt, and I've actually got the away shirt. So when me and Hugh are in next, we're actually going to be wearing those shirts to present the show with so
1: nice when uh, we do our after show photo downstairs yes will ex- put that baby on so
0: yes nice. Enjoy.
1: nice.
0: And, so enjoy i hope much. that's a nice surprise for you it
1: is absolutely <laughs> awesome now before we clock out and len comes in to do the bags groove jazz show we'll, we'll just remind everyone about the two funeral services that are up and coming this week for john talbot wednesday the 11th no, it's not wednesday the 11th
0: it is it's definitely Wednesday this,
1: Wednesday. Wednesday. It's this Wednesday. the 6th. Yeah, it is definitely at Flory Uniting Church. Sorry, it's, it must be 11 o'clock. Um, it is, yeah, 11
0: yep. o'clock on, on the 6th, yes. Yep, okay,
1: so that's this Wednesday. I will repost that onto the World Football page. And for Heinz Gashik is Tuesday, Purslow and Chippers in Rockingham at noon. So there you go. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening in. It's been a full show today, as always. The jazz program with Len is up next. And don't forget, the Voices of Ireland is going to precede us every Saturday from 8 to 10 from now on. This has been awesome, guys. You've been super. Robbie, thanks. Thank Jim, you. Thanks, Pen, thanks Robbie. You nice kept to meet you, Jim, you. got through the coffee. <laughs>
0: job. I've stayed awake. There's
1: more football to come. It never stops. Never, never, never anymore. So That's Sam it. Kerr Football Centre. tonight. Yep, absolutely. Look on Football West page or the World Football page. Thanks, everyone. See you later. <laughs>